Hello and welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast with the science and the screaming to determine the best movie for any given year. And this given year, my friends, is 2020. 2020, a year pregnant with possibility. Who knows what's ahead of us? Not us. We have locked ourselves in a time-locked chamber, and we are recording this. And so we'll have no idea what's going on in 2020, but we can only assume that it is something amazing and wonderful, and you guys are all out there in your flying cars. I'm your host, Greg. Joining me are my two absolute best buddies, but the problem is when you have any number of things besides one, no matter how much you love them, you gotta rank them, right? So I'm gonna decide who is my best friend between these two guys. It's Ryan and Mike. Gentlemen, both speak at the same time, please. Are you guys that committed to the saying the 2020? Are, is anybody out there still going 2020? Oh. No, I think right around 20 is when it starts to fall apart, right? And now I feel like... Now it sounds like you're counting a really long hide and seek game before you can run and find the other person <laughs> how long did they make you count that means Just that you, they, 5, your friends hate and then you come find us they are across county lines <laughs> just keep counting remember if you give you stop counting early then we can't play with you anymore one of my earliest memories uh me and my neighbor friend i think i was like five uh we stopped playing whatever ghostbusters game we're playing and just dropped to our knees and we're like let's count to a google and in my head did but now, as the 34-year-old, I don't know so many of the numbers in between a million and a Google, so there's no way five-year-olds did. Yeah. But it took four hours. Wow. When I was a kid, uh, my grandparents said, uh, it's real hot out right now, uh, and there's a ton of flies everywhere. So for every fly that you kill, we'll give you one penny. And Ninja Turtle toys cost $7.35 with tax. So over the course of an hour, I would just scream out every time I hit one. I just <laughs> counted to 735, guys. I killed that many flies that day. I think Damn! It, I think they knew that I was just lying the entire... Yeah, I, I just say, lied just to like my grandparents. Kicking <laughs> your knees up and down, laying f- f- face f- to the floor. Oh, six, well, 634. Oh, 635. Ryan, for your confession, Ryan, you will score one point. And yes, much like you were calling out the flies as you killed them, I will be calling out your points as you score them in a system that we all agreed should definitely be called mouth scoring. So yes, (laughs) we will be mouth scoring the night away as we all agreed that that is how it should be called. Well, that is nonsense. But I'll tell you what's not nonsense, ladies and gentlemen, Defy Bloods. 2020 movie by Mr. Spike Lee. Now, first off, usually we are talking about far-flung years, but it's despite what I said about how we are in a, some weird sort of time capsule, we've actually been living in 2020 so far. That was Do a you great have bit. any history with this movie? Did you watch it earlier, or did, is this the first time you saw it for the for the show tonight? Oh, I watched it the first minute I could. I, Hard, right? Yeah. I mean, Spike Lee movie right in my house, and mm-hmm. that it was supposed to be good because... Spike Lee has some, like, eras where he's just like, nah, I'm just going to make shitty movies for, like, five years. Uh, we're not in that anymore. So I watched it as fast as I possibly could and loved it, but was very glad to get another opportunity to watch it. You know, I, I do think that this is, like, a double watcher. First time, long time. Of course, <laughs> by that it means it's the first time I watched it, but I watched it for a long time because it's a pretty long movie. Uh, <laughs> what I love about... Mark. You're never going to be bored. With the Spike Lee movie. Yeah. Even if it's in a bad era, it's going to be interestingly bad. And 
Just every time I watch one of his movies, I'm mad at myself that I haven't seen more of his movies. Because I've really only seen a handful at this point. And I'm interested to dive in with you guys because I think there are great fucking moments into Five Bloods. And I think uh-huh. there are stupid fucking idiotic moments into Five Bloods. And I still don't know whether that, how that, what the sum of the whole is. I love it. I feel like this is what we say after every Spike Lee movie. Now, keep in mind, Spike Lee is a, is a Pop Filter Hall of Famer. I know. Right. I was but, I was thinking this morning, like, man, we haven't gotten to talk about Spike Lee in a long time. And then I remembered that there was a Pop Filter Hall of Fame segment where yeah. I blacked out while delivering a 16-minute <laughs> speech yeah. about why he should be in the Hall of Fame. It was a it's filibuster. How eloquent you've ever been. In fact, you know what? Ryan, take a point for that because, yeah, you went nuts. And, yeah, I mean, we love Black Klansman. Like, it, it, it did oh, uh, so very good. well in its year. Uh, but yeah, you're always getting a sort of like a pastiche with with um, with Lee, and he's always like you're never just comfortable watching the movie. You're always leaving it, and you're like, I'm bothered by something. Like that kind of bugged me on some level, but, and it's like he gets you every time. It, it, like, but you're bothered in like, oh my god, I thought that racism was a problem, but I had no idea it was this big. And then on the other side, you're like, uh, I. I have a problem because I think movies are supposed to be like this, and he just refuses to make them yeah. like that. Like, yeah. is like is Brechtian a okay word to use with his movies? Like, I think so. Only yeah. If you define it right now for the listeners, not for me, Ryan. Uh, just like uh, he's just he he can be, and he likes being so cinematic, and you know, like really enveloping you in the movie, whether it's uh. Uh, a movie about today and uh, these characters or like a big genre piece and then mixing them together, but then also pulling you out of it and saying, motherfucker, you're watching a movie right now. I will literally going back to black Klansman, show you footage of Charlottesville yeah. and somebody yeah. getting hit by a car in the I'll movie show you that people I'm with like their guts blown out. Like, and, and then this movie starts with a guy's oh, head. Yeah. Opening okay. Up. You know what? You guys are doing that thing you always do, which you're going to start trying to talk about the movie before I've even put in some sort of like arbitrary break before we talk about the movie. But that break is coming up now, and then we're going to really get into it. Hola, Filterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, You could pay for Ryan to draw you a picture. Uh, I can write you a poem. You can get the shirts off our very own backs. All of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. While you're on the internet, you should check out Shady Monk. He does all the tunes you've been listening to. He's on Bandcamp, he's on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, wherever kids get their music these days that I'm too old to know. Shady Monk lives there. Uh, You can probably follow him on Twitter and Instagram as well. That's Shady Monk. Wherever you get music, check him out. The Five Bloods is the first movie by Spike Lee. Excuse me, Pop Filter Hall of Famer Spike Lee. Respect. Released exclusively on Netflix, but doesn't feel like a small movie, even if it was destined for the small screen. It is an adventure through the heart of Vietnam and perhaps, dear listener, through the heart of man himself. The movie moves quickly between fact and fiction, history and histrionics, and pathos and bathos, featuring tone shifts that that we have come to expect from life, but not from movies, 
The film pushes boundaries while being charming, funny, and timeless. What? One part hangout movie, one part war movie, one part action romp. It asks, what do we take away from war? And perhaps more importantly, what do we leave behind? Gentlemen, I ask you this. Does Lee's desire for an action movie get in the way of the more emotional and historical points he's trying to make? Or does he walk the balance between poignant and bombastic? I think for the most part, it felt like walking the line, but that final scene at the temple felt like he was like, well, I do want to make like a Vietnam war movie scene. Like, and like to have the giant shootout that didn't make sense for most of how the characters felt, felt like it got in the way of what the rest of the movie was trying to talk about. So throughout the movie, there's flashbacks to the Vietnam war. I'm sorry, the American war. And it's crazy just to even say Vietnam. It feels like, it's more a war than a country, right? Like when you say Vietnam, yeah, wow, it, it seems right. like you're really you're talking about a war more than a, like uh, people that exist. Uh, then and half for like a super super long time. Yeah, they they've been killing it. Uh, but uh, we definitely have the uh, the screen size shrink, and it's not immediate. Like he slowly does it, like yeah. lets you know that like this is something else, and then he like he granulates he, the image a little. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. And yeah, the whole thing is shot in a very different way. It's not. Oh, I just happen to like film four old guys hanging out. You know, I'm just the director. Fly on the wall. I'm just gonna see what happens. He he's directing an action movie, uh, but that all builds right. to a straight up heist movie at the end where these old guys are like, yeah, it's like uh, those. Um, there's like a Clint Eastwood in space movie that came out in like the late '90s, and then like a Kevin Klein, Morgan Freeman. I think Morgan Freeman's in all of them. Uh, <laughs> they go. <laughs> They go to rob a casino at like when they're old. Uh, it just becomes, a space like, casino. A space casino. Oh, oh, hang on, God. this idea's got legs. <laughs> That's the two franchises crossover for sure. Um, and it, it, that uh, the 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 ratio of the screen does not change. Like we're supposed to all believe that no, this is where this is the logical end for these characters. That yeah, they would pick up guns and do a heist. Where before, by granulating the screen and changing the the ratio, it makes you think that. This is how they're remembering it, especially because none of the actors change. Like, there's not young versions; they're not de-aged. It's just a bunch of the same guys running around with. Chadwick. Well, there's there's a mix, right? If they're ever shown in an actual picture, then they are yeah. awkwardly de-aged. But yeah. there's it's definitely a, and then a lot of times their face will be in shadow. But I think there are a couple of speeches where the point seems to be that in the memory, the men are not young men yeah. they are themselves and he will for be uh, forever young right and I, yeah i think that's like a that's that's sort of uh how we do memories right is a lot of times when you think back on a thing like your sixth birthday. hell yeah dude it's a yeah. it's a great it's a great point at first it felt like these guys don't look young enough and then it's like oh wait hang on he's doing also, something yeah <laughs> this movie doesn't have the budget to make joe pesci look 24 years old or whatever <laughs> the irish man was trying to do but so the the, pat, the flashback action stuff made sense because it's these old guys remembering. So they're amplifying the glory and the horror, right? Yeah. But for the end, for the nothing horror. to change, and they're just doing it, you're just like, well... See, that's okay. That's ultimately what this question is getting at the heart of, which is there, there are a rich variety of tones across this movie, right? Including some historical footage that, like, I have never actually seen until this. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like... 
I guess maybe would have preferred not to to see. I don't know if I have that right. Like this movie, I think interrogates whether or not you have the right to not look at things that really upset you. Like, do I really have the right to just go send people off to other countries to do massacres and then not even look at the footage of it? But like, I don't want to, I don't want to watch people get shot in the head. That was really awful. I didn't know that was coming. So much spurt. I did not know. A lot comes out because your blood's under a lot of pressure. And that guy was so scared. Like I've seen the part, I have seen the picture of him with the gun to his head. Uh Uh-huh. I did not realize, like, so, okay, that happens, or whatever. You, and you make a gif? You make me confront that that happens, and I've seen it, and I get it, right? And you show me things from the My Lai Massacre, and I see it, and I get it, right? But then, can you still yuck it up in some of the other scenes? If you are grounding your movie in that sort of reality, is can you have those tones? Here's why, here's why I think he can. I think that if, uh, at this point, nobody, like, let's say that it was in theaters and you can actually, like, go and buy a ticket and choose to see this as opposed to, I say, five or whatever. Uh, it, like, you're sort of, he is on this, like, very small list of names where, like, what you're doing, you're not, you're not a Vietnam War movie fan and you're not a Delroy Lindo fan. You're a Spike Lee fan. And yeah. you, like, you are buying a ticket for a Spike Lee movie right. and you're, you're letting him, take control of your two hours and you're showing up no matter what probably yeah and what's crazy is that nobody does it harder no no, i don't know if there's a director like even david fincher you know like doesn't do it as hard as he does but as uh, well like he doesn't uh, go over the line or like take advantage i think that he's still like you did it and i appreciate it and here is spike lee (laughs) <laughs> and well, I think that's he is who he is, right? Like he's the Popeye of filmmakers. He's just gonna he's gonna make a Spike Lee movie even if he tries not to. But <laughs> I think through mo- so many of the tonal shifts work for me, especially when it comes to the GIs, because that's how that's how people who've gone through what they've gone through do deal with trauma and horror is joking Mark. around. So that tracks. What what why I have a huge bone to pick with that final scene because if the whole thing is what ghosts like both figurative and relative like what, what what are the scars war leaves on you what that last scene does is like but it's pretty cool sometimes to be violent though isn't it like it, it, it like it guts everything else see i said. see i see that mike i totally see that and that's the way i felt the first time i watched it but then when i watched it the second time you know what i realized he we don't let movies have the tonal shifts that reality fucking has like we live in a culture that has the movie rambo first blood and then all the other rambo movies we live in a culture that at the same time says we should have somber reflection of like historical massacres but then in movies reenacts massacres as like kind of like awesome like you know action-packed events and so in a way i started wondering is he just claiming for his own movie the same sort of tonal shifts that exist within reality certainly a hundred percent, and this this movie does do the uh, like the arc that the Rambo series does, right? Like, yeah, the first yeah. like the first third is oh wow, this is a fucking serious drama about what it's like to be in war, and then it, uh, <laughs> shit gets crazy. But uh, it's also like uh, we, they they literally bring up Rambo, and yeah. they yeah. talk about how like uh, when uh, when we got back, we just watched movies about Vietnam that were all the white dudes. I, I I feel like this is a time for them to take their shit back, and I don't I don't really see it different than like a high school reunion movie of mm-hmm. like let's let's remember how great it was. Like we're not this is the most important time of, in our lives, and we're we're gonna stop being fucked over. Yeah, right. And they they'll say that right. at the camera sometimes directly. Uh, <laughs> but I guess what what like so with Black Klansmen, it ended very cinematically, like a movie 
could and should and we're used to ending and then he brings back the horrors of reality yeah. by the the burning cross out and the main characters see it and then the the reality, reality. Shit, <laughs> yeah. where this just ends movie as movie with the big bombastic kind of convoluted Mark. uh who's betraying who and then everybody gets their happy montage and then i it, we do end with one year later it like the the martin luther king it, it it seemed like he was going for the same thing he did in Black Klansman and just kind of didn't have the same punch in the gut. I Okay, so I totally see that. And when you say ending a Black Klansman, it's a little... That movie's a little Return of the Kingy. Like, what do you mean by ending? Well, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Well, he outlined both like, endings, they're right? Yeah, yeah, they're high-fiving, they're having fun, then they're partying back at the, the main guy's house, and then the cross lights on fire. They're like hitchcocky and cut to the cross and that's like on the... And float through the hallway, yeah. Right. Because yeah, the, and and then and then the the then actually it's the third part, right? The third part then is the Heather Heyer, like the right. the Charlottesville, and the I mean that that movie has those three different endings. And did you expect that, Mike, to be the case in this movie? Like, well, it seems like yeah, I guess I expected that, but because you so you get the big action scene and then the happy montage of people like dealing with the fact that things are resolved, even though it feels like a lot is not resolved, and then. Martin Luther King speech and we get the credit that says one year later he was shot after this uh-huh. speech. So that punch didn't work as hard as like it felt like well I did this before instead of having the same impact as in Black Klansmen. Also nowadays I'm wondering this is crazy and Ryan feel free to just like smack my nose if this is too nuts but <laughs> I'm starting to wonder if we should count the images that appear when the credits are rolling as part of the artistic expression of the film itself, because then we cut to a lot of high definition, beautiful cuts of, of Vietnam, yeah. which I think are more than just like screensavers, right? We're watching these like sort of like the, the pristine beauty of Vietnam untrammeled by man a, a lot of times. And I feel like that's part of the, is that part of the end of the movie? It's not right. It's the credits. Like that's a gray area. I feel like, yeah. I, I, I do think it's part of the movie be, uh, because it serves the point that he was trying to make. If it, it does, was just, right? If, if it was just Will Smith rapping about, we're the Divide <laughs> Bloods and we're here to say it, then maybe not. But like... War hurt us in a major way. So <laughs> so much of the movie, like the, Vietnam, the Vietnamese people and the Defy uh, Bloods, they keep referring it to uh, as the American War as opposed to Vietnam. And it's because... You know, we lost that thing about thinking about it as a country. There's a part in this movie in the ba- uh, in the flashback where instead of having the uh, American soldiers run in and kill the evil villain, it's just like a bunch of soldiers being like, "Oh man, what do you think? What what should we get her for her baby shower?" Yeah, like, I, I don't oh, even man. know. You know, Warren. like, do uh, like, are you gonna go off the registry or are you just gonna go like uh, wild? And then they get fucking blown up, and it's just because Vietnam is not the name of a war; it's a country. it's a fucking country yeah and it you know this movie doesn't shy away from having that be the backdrop of an action movie and that's like i feel like mike i feel like the way that the sort of like heat that the the action movie ending produces in you and it produced in me as well is kind of the point spike lee's really good at agitating you and then Mm -hmm. when you're agitated you start pulling at the thread of why you're so agitated and i think what i realized is if it bothers you that this movie ends in an action movie it's because action movies should really fucking bother us and they don't really because they're but they're always against the backdrop of a real conflict where real people fucking died and 
we can like pretend that that doesn't exist but this movie is not going to pretend that it doesn't exist and it's still going to be like sometimes an action movie sometimes a war reflection movie sometimes a hangout movie sometimes a parenting movie it's yeah. like he, like Spike Lee is always going to be a person who's like I fucking love like in a Tarantino-esque way I love genre films and I want to make right. them yeah. but uh, I think that maybe I could do a little bit more and instead of like uh, smoothing out that difference or like uh, just making it so we don't see the case he says like you guys enjoy these genre films and then also here's Spike Lee and part of it is all the bad guys get shot non-stop at the end yeah. but the good guys in the end, every time somebody gets shot, it's like, holy fuck, this injury yeah. is permanent and I'm going to die. And they deal with every single one. That's yeah. not something that we typically get in these Rambos and Rocky is Ryan. in Vietnam. But in that, I'd, I'd say they deal with it pretty action because when Vin gets shot, Otis runs over and he's just like, ah, I went clean through. You're good. And runs away again. So that's very action movie. He did deal with it, though. The bullet went right through. <laughs> yeah, but that I, I'd say I'd argue that there's action movies who deal uh, with injuries in the same way. Though. Honestly, I think I think the only one that really gets done dirty because most of them get cool heroic ends at least, which in this kind of movie is like the best you can probably do. But the one I think that gets done really dirty is Eddie. Like that whole thing where right. he's backing up and you know he's going to step on a landmine and they yeah. they don't play it for comedy, but it's so comedy adjacent and with every well, when, step when they they're screaming with an air horn what's about to happen. Yeah, every goddamn step. The camera, the music, yeah. these words, every step. You're like, and oh, it's like, please stop walking backwards. This is one of the bloods. Like that's not yeah. we don't want to see well, him go out that way. There's, it's interesting because it's an ensemble piece, right? But there's a hierarchy of characters the movie cares about. Yeah. Which, Mark. It, I w- Eddie at least got that moment. Melvin, I didn't feel it like. Th- th- there's a who arcs and when is interesting and sloppy, I think. Well, Melvin's yeah. moment is the most movie moment where he says, uh, uh, shit, it's 12 minutes into the movie. By the way, I would never jump on a grenade for you guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> never jump on a hand grenade. Yeah, for sure. Ryan. <laughs> and then but like I, I never got like everybody else you kind of get where they're coming from right now and Melvin and for a while Eddie until he's like I'm not rich anymore uh, is just like I'm a friend too I like, gotta say I'm a Melvin guy so you're gonna get a little pushback oh, on me from this I'm a big Melvin guy love the character love uh, is it Isaiah Whitlock Jr. love the actor oh she, god Isaiah Whitlock Jr. oh my gosh Mark you gotta get a point but, for that just killing it but I, I think the movie could, dude's like 66 think, years old by the way it's long enough that everybody could have had a pretty good human moment. Uh-huh. And it's, I guess it's fine if it didn't care to, if it felt like sometimes it would skip some steps to be like, no, we did instead of yeah. really. Oh yeah, it. dude. Okay. Mark, now, I have to I, admit that 100% is the case. I totally disagree. I think this is all part of his thesis is that, uh, Eddie, the, the former rich guy. Yeah. Uh, watching him step back and then, uh, he steps onto a landmine and explodes. And then they're all like, no, my God, we did not think that was going to be part of our adventure. That sucks. And they're all about to, uh, I don't know, grieve for what they just saw. And then white people come up and more landmines come up. I think that's part of the thesis of like, we have to keep, like, we don't have time for this shit because the next part of the war is coming. That for sure. But I'm saying character arc wise, it does a disservice to Eddie. And it's fine if... Paul and Otis are your main, and then to a lesser extent, Daniel, are, or David, are your main focuses. But the movie does for a while try to be like, they're all the same, and they're all going to arc. See, I don't think that's true. I think that uh, uh, 
uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Rich guy and Eddie, Eddie, Eddie money, and Eddie and Melvin uh, <laughs> mm. are very clearly from the beginning going to be uh, secondary. Like, yeah, like, I think they're set up that way. That's how you set up an ensemble. Is some of them have to be the For people sh- in the background. I so yes, but again, it was this length of movie. I guess I was not surprised by Paul or Otis's or David's arc. So if you're gonna take up this much screen time, inject more humanity and. Into the five bloods. Well, we also, are actually going to get deeper into the characters in a upcoming segment that I like to call two segments from now. <laughs> but when we come back, we are going to go on a shopping spree. Here we go again. All right, sweetheart. All right. Daddy will get you a golden goose as soon as we get home. No, I will find a stone. I'm going to pop some tags. Only got $20 in my pocket. Always getting hyped after the shopping spree drop. You know you're ready to go. It's such a good drop. That. It really is. It really is. It mixes everything we like here. Macklemore and Frukazal. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Banksy for making that for us. <laughs> Thank That's you awesome. so much, Banksy. We really appreciate it. Uh, and also, we are taking care of the monolith. Wink. Right? This is between, between us impresarios. Well, it's time to run through this movie and grab everything our grubby little hands can grab. You know it. You love it. It's shopping spree. Mike, what's the first thing you're going to grab as you supermarket sweep right through this thing? Uh, I learned no lessons from this movie, so I'm grabbing every single one of those gold bars I can. All right. So Mike is just going to go. You're going for as many as you can grab, you're saying? No, I'm all of them. I'm okay, because honestly, uh, DQ, you cannot grab all. Here's of them. the deal. I can. Here's the I deal. Put them in a rec- very heavy. Obviously, the point of the movie is don't, not, don't want gold bars so much. <laughs> so I don't want. All, I personally don't want all of them. But could I get like a tenner? Could I just get five to ten oh. of the gold bars? Like because then that's not like I'm gonna still have to work, right? But I'm gonna still have a little scratch. Maybe one day little I could push. afford a house, which. We we could do gold bar high fives, which I oh love. my god the cheersing <laughs> they made the cheersing look really inviting. But Mike, in shopping spree, you grab that entire case of gold bars, yes. and it's Christmas coming up, and you don't know what to get me. And yeah, for it's a gold bar for sure. Okay, all right, so two or three gold. But bars. it does mean then every it- pop filterification from here on out, you guys are coasting. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, right. That's okay. If you give me a gold bar, that's all right. Okay, Ryan. So all the gold bars have been taken, but uh, Mike promised to give us each one, and we were instantly like, okay, we're (laughs) we're placated. (laughs) (laughs) So what are you going to grab? But but also, though, that makes his first pick uh, lesser than. He just lost a bunch of gold bars because he gave them to (laughs) us. I I think that I'm I'm, I'm nervous about this first pick. But uh, I'm in a mood right now. Yeah, uh, to get it off your chest. Dish it, Big Daddy. What's going on? 2020 fucked me in so many oh, ways. Oh, yeah? Did you have a hard was... one? <laughs> There's one that... Uh... Greg, you know what? <laughs> Fuck you, dude. Everyone everyone in the nation d- d- had a terrible year. And 2020 had a Lakers and Dodgers Oh, victories. did it? Ryan, yeah, yes, it you did. Walk, I guess you that's walk true, around. Ryan. That's double points. Wow, way to go, man. I guess it did. Fuck this. I do feel better. So what I'm going to do is take Paul's ability to talk to Chadwick Boseman's ghost whenever oh I my want. God. Oh. Or whenever he comes to wow. me. Wait, because you just need somebody to talk to? And because it's, it's fucking it's Chadwick so Norman, I'll take that, too. Yeah. 
But God damn it, if I could not need someone in my life right now like that, uh, Jesus this was a, This was a hard, fucked up part of this movie, right? Like having it be all about... <laughs> that Spike Lee had no intention. Yeah. yeah. It's part of him, and he, I'm sure he feels bad about it. When, when Chadwick died, he went, Oh well, this movie's gonna hit harder than it was going to before. And it like shit. I ha- I hate that I thought that, but I thought that. So this is something exterior to the movie, which increases the emotional impact of a couple of scenes to the point where they are like, you will cry, right? Like, I mean, this is yeah. a fucking fucked up movie in that way. Wow, that is it, and it. But it's a great, uh, it's a great honor to him. But he doesn't. He really does look unwell in it. Like he looks so uh, bony. Well, I mean. He has a bullet hole. Yeah, that too. They should have edited that out. That wasn't very classy of them. All right, so uh, I'm going to run through this movie, and what I'm going to grab is no big deal, everybody, but I'm just going to grab some of Melvin's wardrobe, and I want to be specific. He has... His hat game is very strong, uh, but he has a matching shirt and hat that is like blue on blue pinstripes, and I guess what I should probably be be asking for is the ability to wear something like that and not just the clothes <laughs> themselves but that's definitely what i'm gonna go with is his like that particular outfit matching pinstripe hat again this guy's like 66 years old and he is like such a young fun dresser yeah a fun game throughout the movie is like when we are this age still vacationing together who is what kind of guy who's oh, talking man. to way younger girls who is angrily screaming at everybody. They already are in way better shape than us and move a lot more fluidly. And for the most part, look yeah. younger than we do. So. But th- the other thing too, is that like when the four of them are hanging out, there are points where Eddie is both jealous and hates Otis and Paul, yeah. you know, and Paul both hates and is jealous of Otis and Eddie and Melvin the whole time is like, I'm, I'm fucking just Melvin, cool. dude. I am. But th- there's that man. scene that tracks that follows, uh, Otis through the bar before they get to the quiet. We can talk place. And man, since Lester Freeman to now, he's just the coolest fucking dude when he yeah. walks. Otis. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, like that whole thing with them walking through the club as dirty as the movie does them, like, because they get just like, you know, so many of them gets blowed up and stuff like them going through that club floating through and sp- like, especially Otis at the end, one of the women as walks by, she goes like, come dance with us. And he just dances by. Yeah, so dude. fucking yeah. cool, dude. Uh, that one's going to go to Mike that round because gold bars, you know, <laughs> I mean like, sorry, at the end of the day, gold bars. Oh, right. oh, and by the way, my uh, Greg, before he handed us those gold bars, he shot us both in the Oof. face. Like he's just going to cheat. Classic to keep gold, more gold bar moves. You think you know what your yeah. response to seeing gold bars is in real life, but a lot of people don't realize how quick they're just going to like headshot their friends. The minute I saw the gold bars, I took out a life insurance policy on both of you. Yeah, they gave you some of my gold bars and then killed you. So now I've quadrupled my gold bar intake. They have new laws about who you can take a life insurance policy out on, but back in the day, you could just take it out on anybody. And that's so sketchy. If, any- <laughs> if anybody with a suitcase full of gold bars asks for an insurance policy, I'm just gonna say no, no to way. whoever. Honestly, they say. No. yeah, <laughs> suitcase full of gold bars does nothing for me. Too heavy. Too heavy. All right. We only have one more round, everybody. So oh, we are going to spin it back around and reverse it. And it's to me again. And I have to say, I want, I don't know if this is a thing that really exists, but they had some sort of wand that could detect metal. If this, if this really existed, I imagine people would own them and always be using them all over the place. Like always going to the beach with them in the park and everything. Um, I imagine that these sort of make somebody like a hero. You'll notice, of course, Melvin is the one who, who wields the metal detector. Um, and therefore, if he holds it, he does not have to. He pick doesn't up have to pick anything up. Yeah. 
Like I, I'm I searching fucking, for I it. respect this guy so much, you guys. <laughs> uh, so I would, of course, be dressed just like him and also have the metal detector. I don't know. I'm feeling pretty good about Greg right now. I cannot wait till Greg's 60th birthday where he gets his first pair of brown socks, his first pair of Birkenstocks, and his first metal detector. <laughs> it's going to be a fucking party. Greg's 60th birthday. You're adorable. All right, Ryan, you're also up now. What do you want to grab? What's going to be your last item from this movie? Greg, I am taking Spike Lee's Happy Treadmill. <laughs> yes. Are you finally yes. fulfilled as yes, a character? Yes, Ryan. Yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on yes. that, and I'm going to fucking not even walk towards the camera. I'm just going to take this little monorail of happiness right the towards it. The first two times I saw him do this shot, I was like, no, Spike Lee, I, refu- I reject this shot. You know what? Now I wait for it. It's my favorite part of, <laughs> of Klansman, and it's my favorite part of this movie. That's a good shot. He invented it, and he made us, he made us accept it, and we do. That's a quality is that shot. This is why Otis and his daughter. Yeah, Otis and his daughter. This end, is yeah. why you won't you won't like Spike Lee until your sixth Spike Lee movie. But yeah, it's exactly because of that. Wins that fucking With, treadmill. Oh, here thing. it is, dude. Here it is. He, like honestly, he makes his movies a celebration, and like that you just you, like he celebrates every different part of of film. All right, Mike. That's the one that's gonna win. But do you want to give one too? Yeah, I'll give. This is a one just for Mikey. Uh, <laughs> I Philly special. I think Vietnam it's is one a, for them, is one a for beautiful you. country. Uh, I'm not going to be a colonizer and try to take the whole country. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> but something like that. But in a lot of places, but Very specific to there. The outdoor bar they go to where he meets Hetty. Is that the French lady? Yeah. But this, it's a completely outdoor bar. I get hot no matter where I am. Mm-hmm. It's fucking awesome where you know there's a water right next to you so you could like dip your toes in while drinking a cool Sapporo or whatever like I just want that bar I want an outdoor bar I hate to tell but you this specific kind I hate to tell you my Vietnam is the hottest place on earth you would much rather be I know inside. I'm <laughs> hot wherever I go so fuck it we're a sweaty now bunch. everybody everybody is as sweaty as I am at this bar <laughs> I I have some bar questions with this movie because the first time they're in the bar, it's called Apocalypse yeah. Now, uh-huh. which is adorable. That which and might be a nod to, to something else. I'm not. That might be a ref, Ryan, to something else. The King it's Kong a nod, movie. It's a nod to It's a Wonderful <laughs> Life, and uh, they walk through the bar, cool as shit, in slow motion. And then the second bar they're in, uh, is it Melvin? Is it Greg's uh-huh. uh, spirit animal, Melvin? I uh, get so drunk that they. Oh, yeah. I think that again, a very Greg move. <laughs> I think I think the first bar is what we think we're at, like what we're like in a bar, and the second bar is what we're actually <laughs> like in a bar. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for shots. Oh, Ryan, of course, wins the 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 round there because love that shot. Always a good shot, and you have to own it. So I have Melvin's uh, attire and his metal wand, and I was so busy paying attention to that, Ryan. I did not pay. You have that shot, and what else do you have? I have the Spike Lee treadmill and the Chadwick Boseman oh, ghost. <laughs> what do you have, Mike? Really heady stuff. Uh, <laughs> I have all the gold from the movie and that outdoor bar. All right. And of course, the winner overall of the segment is Greg and his friend, Melvin. <laughs> all right. <laughs> when we come back, we are going to dig right back into this movie. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to pop filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. 
That way, we get a little piece of the action, and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show. That's Movie of the Year. And that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review. Bye. We are back, and it's time to dive back into this movie. Gentlemen, let me ask you, do you agree that it's impossible to talk about this movie for very long without digging into Delroy Lindo's Paul? And do Lindo and Paul walk away with the movie? And do we think Lee was successful in what he was trying to do with making his lead character a Trumpist. I will say that uh, it's it's a crazy quick transition from ensemble to spotlight, right? Like right. the movie really does want you to think that like this is about this is dazed and confused, but like right. older and you know, and then we we hone in pretty quick. It almost, but it 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 comes up like frog boiling water slow enough. Like it feels like. The camera can't help, but now this is the movie because he just keeps grabbing it. And there, I think a lesser actor, it would be too Mark. scenery chewing. But he, I think for the most part, walks that line really, really well that you buy into all of his big bombasticness. Is it too not cute sure. to say that at first you overlook him and then you realize it's all about him in like maybe classic Trump voter style? Yeah, to be like the way that we do to all of our relatives. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, you, uh, roll your eyes like his friends do. You know, like mm-hmm. uh, towards when they're all together as right. a foursome, he's like, "Nah, you know what? I'll say it. I voted for him." Oh my God, you voted for uh, President. You were the Trump. one. <laughs> yeah, and they all react and they can't believe it. But uh, it feels like they're ready to move on. Yeah, you know, like uh, this is not about politics. This is a weekend about uh, you know, uh, Storm and Norman Golden and gold friends. and hanging out and uh. The fact that you voted for Trump, it doesn't say that much about you. Actually. But wait. The fact that, wait, <laughs> the fact that you, you did. You've always been an asshole, and this is very indicative of that. What I do appreciate is I think it's I think it'd be easy to make Otis or David the main main. And to keep it on him and have him not become a better human. Like, he doesn't arc in that way. Uh, I think it's pretty bold. He he does Del arc, Lindo though, from, right? He... Uh, he, I don't know if he arcs as opposed to uh, like starts at the top and then just goes off the charts. Of yeah, like, he he implodes. We're watching the guy in Apocalypse now because we've talked about how many movie references that Spike Lee. Like he, we're just watching him go through it instead of meeting him when he's already batshit. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that figure hangs over this entire movie, especially in the, the figure of Paul. And I think it's a you know I'm gonna have to give you a point there, Mike Mark, because. Uh, when in Heart of Darkness and in the movie Apocalypse Now, that figure is always described as like being super good at everything. And Paul is kind of really good at everything. He's ornery and he's gone a little bit crazy, but he's the best He's the best soldier they have left. Right. When he takes out all of his team and the landmine people, <laughs> you're not like, that's action movie bullshit. It's like, I believe every single moment of that. But but that's it, it, it's not just skill and smarts, though. It's like alpha balls. We somehow, we always drop a knee to the person who is just the loudest and the meanest. Yeah. Like, that's his right. number one skill in his skill set is like, 
oh, if I just scream and look right. at them and then like uh, say that if you don't go with me, you're betraying me. I'm going to scream at you until you feel bullied into doing something. And if you look like you might not, I'm going to like uh, say that you're like a traitor. You know, yeah. like, you're not patriotic. But then it- you're just going to go along with me. Which shows how babyish he is, is that scene when they're in the outdoor floating market and everybody else can deal with the market pretty well and he freaks out and does not know how to deal with it instantly. Do you, okay, so like, or, or the bar scene where two old Vietnamese men want to buy them drinks. Right. And so they're, they're looking at the table like, oh, I want to buy them drinks. And he thinks that they're about to start Vietnam 2 or the American War 2. Like, right. he thinks that they're going to fight them. That seems so interesting because he. It's clear the 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 two old men are like one. We were ki- we was all kids and we weren't in charge. We were and so much of the movie is about how specifically the black GIs, all all most American soldiers, but black GIs because of the draft were not didn't have to believe in the war they were fighting for. They knew it was bullshit, but it was die or get imprisoned at home or come here and do it. And they believed and, in the men that they served with, right? Right, right, and because that's all you got at that point, and. Paul's so interesting because he often is aware of that, but then falls into it anyway and refuses to believe the war isn't over, even if it was a war he didn't buy into. Mark. And he is right, but... Do you at all think, uh, like, uh, Lindo's performance, I I think, is very good, but do you at all think that he didn't leave himself a ton of room with the way, or the movie doesn't leave him a ton of room with the way he reacts in the bar and then in in the water market that both are so big... And you see them coming, but they still are so big and over the top. And specifically the water market thing. Yo, he doesn't want the chicken. Back off. This obviously is an agitated person right now. Like, he doesn't want you shoving the chicken in his face. Like, I know he goes way too far and he even says racist stuff. But, like, what? (laughs) I don't know. Like, that. then I felt like that that didn't give him enough space to later get upset in a more organic way. And then it caused him to have to be so big at the end that sometimes it pushed the performance into maybe dangerous over the top territory. It's not a descent. You're like, yeah, he's always been like this. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe that, but, or is that the point? Did I miss the point? And was that it? That he's like raving from the very beginning. His journey no, started when he killed Norman. Yeah. Oh, well, Mark. absolutely for sure. And then, uh, and ended MAGA. at the same time, Greg, <laughs> <laughs> being MAGA sort of like helped him out with that. Like, Oh, yeah. now I get to be this person that I'm so scared of being, but like I, now I have a license to be, if I just put on this red hat and then we also get dips. One of, uh, like of uh, sort of Paul, like, oh, I'm about to be reflective. <laughs> you know what? Fuck that. That's for fucking uh, hippies and women. Well, uh, what, I think one of the most important scenes is where Otis is like, man, just come to a meeting with me. Uh, oh, I'll never do that fucking new way bullshit. Like he knows that if he did that, uh, not only would he feel weak or he would look weak, not feel weak, but look weak to everybody who was like him. But then also have to go through the stuff that he refuses to go through. That's the thing. That's what I what I think it really is, Ryan. That's what what I think it really is. Is he every time he flips out? It's because you when you know what happened at the end of the movie, you know that he's the one that accidentally killed Norm. Because you know that when you watch it again, you see every time he freaks out, it's because something is triggering him about thinking about Norm. Like he he knows that he that that he doesn't want to know that he did it, so he won't go to that meeting. Because he doesn't want to have to like, if he reflects on his time, if he reflects why he on why he's so upset, he's so upset because he fucking as a kid he killed like the paragon of every virtue they had, the most important person, like their emblem of of everything. They're like local, 
Martin Luther King, their local yeah, they called it their Malcolm, Malcolm X, and their Martin, and yeah. he fucking killed him. It didn't mean he didn't mean to, but he is the one that did it. Man, you see that in every every moment of him being super upset in the movie. You see it when you know that it that it, that he's done it. But like that's the, I think that's the thing that like we're doing here with this character and the fact that like uh, I will never stop giving props to Spike Lee having a MAGA hat wearing person as a lead in a movie yeah just to like just like explore that but like is it at all disarming wants... because he's black like it is it is it less offensive to us and more interesting to us because we're like why is he wearing For, that hat i think there's that and that he is actually charming and charismatic at times god he is so charismatic. well i mean <laughs> so it's delroy goddamn linda oh my right, god you know, no like, matter how awful he's being he just like he's a good trumpist because he just drips with the kind of like weird trumpian charisma that the guy really does have where even when he's like being ben evil, shapiro yeah like yeah like i mean one of these weird where you have to ultimately even if they feel evil you have to admit that they do have some sort of like charismatic hold but he th- like it, his true north which is fucking super broken and based on like toxic masculinity and all these awful things is so severe and black and white that if david was otis's son and david did something against otis then Otis would be like, well, let's sit down and talk about why you would do that. That's interesting. You know, I'm hurt, but we should talk about it. Whereas if David does it to his actual father, Paul, Paul's like, uh, he's dead to me. He's no longer my son. This is how I live my life. I just, I have to keep my uh, head down and move forward in this like very black and white world or I will fucking go insane. And then he does. It Imagine will all catch all... up with me. Never yeah, thinks Ed that he's Rory. already said that to his son three times. <laughs> like, <laughs> doesn't look back, doesn't. And, like, that's why I think traitor is his go-to insult is because he thinks of himself as a traitor because he's the one who killed Norman. Oh, right. Mark. Oh, man. I do. I Ultimately, at the end, you do end up just feeling so bad for him. Here's a guy whose whole life ended, and he was really always ultimately alienated from all his friends who felt like they were all joined together by something that happened, but because he knew the lie of it and he was mm-hmm. the cause of it. Oh God. I mean, I, I think that that was a very, a very well wrought like tension he, in the movie. He's the first person to say blood's forever. We're, we yeah. will always be bloods. And he's the first person to say, fuck you blood. Fuck. Yeah. You're trying to fucking stab me in the back. I hate you. Yeah. Oof. Well, when we come back, it is time to go to trivia. Trivia. It is time for trivia, gentlemen. You know the rules. I will read the question. Please let me finish. And then say your name to ring in. Whoever Zoom gets me first, I will call on that person and then you will give an answer. If you do not know the answer, just try to ring in. Come on, we're making a show here. <laughs> All right. The five, quote, bloods, quote, that were seen throughout the movie in present day scenes were named Paul, Melvin, Otis, Eddie, and David. These are also the individual names of the five members of what Ryan. vocal group? I think David said Ryan. he was named after a temptation. Yeah, very good, Ryan. Ryan, it is the temptations. They were working to save the body of Norm. Who was Norm to the temptations? Mike. Mike. Manager. I mean, Mike? Manager. Uh, <laughs> not manager, Agent? Ryan. Not agent, it was producer. Their producer, so I, Norm. I don't know what those three jobs 
or how are they different? But <laughs> well, manager, yeah, no, we don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not interesting. Uh, it like, but he he like helped make their songs basically. So like, he really contributed a lot to their sound. So he would have been the spirit of them. So it's less um, crazy than if it you know we're just someone who like represented them legally or something. Uh, Norm Lewis, who plays Eddie is from Edenville, Florida, famously depicted in the novel Their Eyes Were Watching God. Who wrote Their Ryan. Eyes Were Watching God? Ryan? Zora. Zora Neil Hurston, I will I never <laughs> one time miss an opportunity to rep Zora Neil Hurston. Zora, I love you. Come on, <laughs> Their the Eyes Were Watching God is the fucking best book. <laughs> Email all us, time. please. All right. Edenville. Honestly, I feel like the the spirit of Eatonville, where he is from and is the center of the book, Their Eyes Are Watching God, is like kind of the spiritual center of the Five Bloods as well. Like just a, a community that maybe doesn't always see eye to eye about a lot of things, but entertains one another and keeps each other going. Uh, I think that honestly, Greg. I don't know. There's, a, I feel like there's a little bit of Zoriel also in, in this movie. That guy, well, we're in trivia, so I won't just throw out random facts. But like, hang on, at the Ryan, next break, yeah, man. When I'm putting these together, I want to tell you guys something. <laughs> when I, Okay, yeah. When I'm putting these together, I'm always afraid you're going to like give the next question by when you answer. All right, don't do that. What prevented this movie from being screened at Con in 2020? Ryan. Mike. Mike? Was Con canceled? Consult? Con's Consult. canceled, right? Re- remember why? Because the coronavirus. Global pandemic. That's right. Very good, Mike. The global pandemic. We don't think about it that much anymore. But there was at one point a global pandemic. The Gulf of Tonkin incident was a major precipitating event in our involvement in Vietnam. What is notable about the Gulf of Tonkin incident? Mike. Mike. It's named after friend of the show, Tompkins. It's not named after friend of the show, Tompkins. Ryan, uh, any guess? Ryan, it's it, it's not the time where they just fucking pushed a helicopter off the ledge of a aircraft carrier or something. You guys remember that? They just shoved a helicopter right yeah, in the that, ocean. Yeah. That was... They did do that. They had to peace out. Um... It uh, now they say it never happened that uh, there was like a crazy big storm and they thought that they were being attacked and they weren't and wow. um, there was there was an earlier thing that was like an attack but the Gulf of Tonkin the thing that we are always taught is the reason we went to war in Vietnam they say now never happened and Bob McNamara says it never happened so like uh, like that comes from like a major uh, the higher story. ups we love our wars based on nothing don't we folks. <laughs> Don't we, folks? And they're usually they're usually naval events, and then later we're like, oh yeah, like uh, the, the Spanish American War, the ship just fucking blew up yeah, on its boats own. Boats are just Whoops. dangerous. Don't go in a boat. <laughs> our bad. Our bad. Our ba- guys. Our bad. I said. Jeez, man, you take responsibility for it. Uh, what series of movies starring Chuck Norris saving prisoners of war is referenced but never Ryan. named? Is it missing Ryan. in action? It's missing in action, Ryan. Uh, and I love how the Rambo movies are given the stamp of approval by Paul. And then Otis is like, fucking Chuck Norris. And he's like, hey, I never yeah. said anything positive about Chuck Norris. <laughs> <laughs> the movie never circles back around to that. But Chuck Norris not getting a shout out in this movie. Madness. Madness is a direct reference Ryan. to what? Mike. Uh, Ryan. I'm going to say, I hope the correct answer is the film Apocalypse Now. And not... Mike, what do you say? The book Heart of Darkness. It's not the book Heart of Darkness. It's not the movie because both of that would be the horror, oh, right? But it is very similar to that. It is the bridge oh, over the river it. Kwai. Uh, I didn't know that at all. Which is like... <laughs> God damn it, I didn't know it. 
which is very same vibes, right? I mean, they spend that whole time building a bridge that they know is gonna is gonna get blown up, but they do it anyways. It's kind of the 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 randomness and madness of war. Um, to be uh to be named Deroche with an E instead of Deroche with an S in France is extremely rare. How many people were born in France bearing this exact name since Ryan. 1890? Three. Mike. Ryan. Mike. Seven. 390, obviously. It's okay to do a little bit of research for the show, guys. We are trying to put out a product that people watch or listen to with their ears, I suppose. How many out of the nine Marvin Gaye songs from the 1971 album, What's Going On, are used? Mike. Five. Ryan. Mike. Four. Nope, it's actually six. Six out of the nine songs are used. Nice. Uh, Ryan, yes. Nice. Ryan, yes, very nice, of course. Ryan, that joke is still not played out. It's enjoying a long life. Is it weird having so much Marvin Gaye music in a movie that's this Ryan. much about dads? Mike. Mike. No. It's perfect. No, ex- explain yourself. It makes too much sense because dads love Marvin Gaye. Ryan. Too much. <laughs> dads don't Ryan. love Marvin Gaye. They kill Marvin Gaye's. Dads kill Marvin Gaye. I'm going to give you each a point because you're both te- you're both technically. Oh, you don't know Marvin Gaye was famously killed by his dad. Uh, so in a movie that's like dealing with dad shit to this degree, including like a dad saying like you're dead to me, and never actually resolving that in person. Like thankfully, a letter comes. Well, he wrote a later. letter that meant nothing compared he, to his actions. Fuck it. Paul treats his entire movie with stuck. David like a uh, pulling petals off a flower. Like I love you. I I love you not. I love you. I love you not. <laughs> Can I just say, using the isolated vocals from uh, what's going on in, like, Jess Marvin Gaye's isolated vocals over when Paul goes off into the boonies on his own, holy fucking shit, what a great idea. He's going off on his own, and they have the isolated vocals, and also it proves that Marvin Gaye is, like, the greatest performer of all time, because you can strip everything else away and just have that, and it, like, commands the entire scene. Mike. Mike. Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Mike. <laughs> uh, dads and sons fighting. Is anyone else getting Tekken Ryan. vibes? Tekken had a bear. Ryan. <laughs> Tekken had a bear, Mike. Mike, Tekken had a big old sword, probably. Tekken did not have a big old sword. Uh-oh. I'm going to give the point to Ryan, but I don't think either of you even had any idea what I meant by my Tekken ideas. Um, did your dad used to beat you at Tekken? Anyone else getting major Star Ryan. Wars vibes? Of Ryan. course. Ryan? When uh, Paul said to David, I am your father, and then hit him with a lightsaber. <laughs> David said, no. Hit him with a lightsaber. So, no, you've known that the whole time, Dave. And he's like, oh, yeah, right. That is what Ryan. <laughs> Anyone else getting major, major Brother K vibes? Brothers K vibes? Mike. Mike. Yes, K stands for Karama- Karamazov. Karamazov, yeah. Yeah, totally. When yeah, right? They're all br- brothers. Oh my God. <laughs> I know nothing about Karamazov. Dads and sons and all that. Brothers Karamazov, there's like a, it's like which son killed this dad. Um, light spoilers there on Brothers K. Uh, what What is notable about Jasper Pakonin's character getting blowed up in this movie? Mike. Mike. He got blowed up in Black Klansman? Damn, Mike. Hell yeah, brother. I'm giving you two for that. I don't even fucking care. Mark, Mark. That's nice. If we went deep into the jungles 
of our local Cleveland National Forest. That's the closest national forest we have to us. Cleveland National Forest, Southern California. It's a Norvine. Who is Ryan. the Paul? Who Paul's out? His name is Michael Ryan. Gravano, and that is what he does. Mike. Mike, what do you say? Uh, just like Paul is the asshole he always is and just gets assholier about it, it's Ryan. <laughs> You know what? I can't give anybody any points because I don't even know. It's that being guy. Mike holding hands. <laughs> you guys point the finger Greg as fast as we can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, of course, David because my dad really was in Vietnam. And this movie had some David scenes that almost made me cry. And I decided we wouldn't talk about them on the show. That way I would not cry on our podcast. Moving on. Should we let Spike Lee pick another basketball team? Are the Knicks good enough for, again, Pop Filter Hall of Famer, Ryan. Spike Lee. Yes, Ryan. it has to be the Charlotte Hornets. Oh, my God. He, honestly, I think we should, no questions asked, no big deal. We let Spike Just Lee like, pick close our eyes and watch him wander wants. over. The thing is, is that like, it doesn't he's matter. He's at like it 30 years of not winning a playoff series. You have to stick to it. You, what yeah. are you going to do? Repping. Oh, God. Oh, God. They got it. They got to get their own sort of Steve Cohen situation. They got to get a new person. It's crazy that like 12 of the greatest basketball players of the last 30 years have a I screamed at Spike Lee story from one game. Yeah. That's that's fame, baby. Wait, they all screamed at one game? Yeah, they all. (laughs) Yep, they all went to one (laughs) game. That's crazy. All right. Very good. Another hearty round of trivia. When we get back, we're going to have our final question about this wonderful movie. (laughs) Well, that is very, very funny. Or very sad. And perhaps now you have something to think about. Or very problematic. And perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at YourPopFilter. Email contacts at your pop filter hey everybody keep watching them movies taste buds is it ultimately reductive to think of this movie as centrally about black soldiers and what they are owed versus what has been expected of them or does lee widen the lens and successfully broaden the scope of his message the thing that fucked me up watching it this time was uh hanoi hannah uh-huh. Who is a straight-up villain, propagandist, like, evil, uh, North Vietnamese, like, crazy radio lady. And, and definitely not attractive and charismatic and interesting. There's Nobody would think that. Uh, definitely doesn't have wonderful curly hair. But talking to... She's the, the enemy, Ryan, so we won't even notice. Yeah, there's no reason to jerk off right now. Uh, talking to the black soldiers and having <laughs> the black soldiers and me go, like... Oh, oh shit! She's those are good <laughs> Hello there, you know. Anybody else getting like major Watchmen vibes off of that? Right? Like, I mean, that has been a way that enemy nations have constantly propagandized to our to our troops mm-hmm. is to say to black troops like, "What are Remember you guys history? doing?" <laughs> and then it, it it plays back into the Ali quote, right? Like, you guys want me to go over there and kill those people, and they've never done like. All the stuff that you guys are like my, doing all the time. My current country treats me like absolute garbage. And yeah. you want my current country to tell me to go and kill the people. 33% of Vietnam, uh, the American war soldiers were black. 33%, which is a right. lot more than uh, like what the American population was at the time. 11% American population. at the time. Yeah, 11%. Good job, Mark. We all and, remember statistics. Uh, killed in action, though, for... 
black troops was uh, 14.1%. So that's not a huge jump up, but it is disproportionate. And it's because, as the movie points out, like you have troops that you want to send into the front lines and you don't make those decisions in a cultural vacuum. You and know? here's the thing. Like Spike Lee often has, or maybe not often has, characters like Mookie from Do the Right Thing or, uh, uh, let's say, Malcolm X from Malcolm X. But in this movie, it does have Storm and Norman, who does straight up say shit to the characters and to the audience of here's how we should handle it. And uh-huh. I, think, I think one of the reasons why this is such, uh, one of the craziest movies is because the characters fight back so often against it and feel like they're placating Storm and Norman when they go along with it. Mm-hmm. But they it's clear in their faces and with all the footage that we're seeing of like, fuck you, Storm and Norman. Like, this is bullshit, dude. I want to fight back. He's always preaching right. this one type of thing of like, uh, just relax and it will work out. And but we're watching this movie in 2020, and it didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, is that his his MLK ness of like the arc of history goes towards justice, and so don't fight now? Because and I mean, he's right when they're all picking up their guns after one of Hannah's missives, uh, and he's like, it won't do anything. He's right; they would all just be court-martialed and probably executed for treason fighting back in the middle of war versus what if we get home and then, cause not knowing uh, often soldiers gain status in history, not knowing that Vietnam war, it would be way lower than normal. Yeah. Um, but honestly, you're the worst human. Honestly, no, that, but see, you have to remember like black soldiers knew exactly what to expect coming back from war because when they came back from world war two and when they came back from uh, Korea, it, it was always made sure that they knew that they were not coming back to any sort of elevated right. status as right. veterans. Even when this country celebrated veterans for other wars, like they would seriously, especially in the South, go to the train stations to get ready for when the troops came home, not to welcome the black troops, but to fucking show them that like things had not changed <sighs> for them. This fucking so... country sucks, dude. But, but ultimately though, okay, what is the, <laughs> not to be reductive, but like, what are we left with? Because we're not left with the message that Norman was wrong to, to tell them not to start shooting white soldiers, right? We're left, aren't we kind of left with a um, sort of like a, a, a multinational coalition that bands together, even if it's in a dumb action movie that includes like white French people who are trying to make up for their family's sins mm-hmm. and uh, white Americans and black Americans of all ages. And but like, like isn't that hopeful? Yeah. And Vietnamese, yeah. For every French woman who, like, sort of wants to do David and will help them get away from landmines, there's a French dude who will fucking shoot all of them in their head for gold bars. Like, Yeah, that's the movie at its fucking stupidest, is that I, the well, banker's uh, like, I, disagree. I was a Bond villain the whole time. Uh, okay, but uh, here's the deal. Is this America... Be- like, I think America, especially lately, has really started to get off on pointing the finger also at France in Vietnam, or is that a legitimate criticism? They colonized vietnam for like 400 years they fucked everything up um the vietnamese make wonderful sandwiches hell now, yeah they but do. they started <laughs> but they started before before france came in and forcibly taught them how to bake they like um they were ultimately colonized by france in the same right. way america was so i can't tell if it's valid criticism or if it's america being like you too it's, i think it's, it's not valid it's i'm in the mud come and be here with me motherfucker because but, it's but that's not, valid but yeah, but America acts like you're worse. But we have never admitted how bad we are for the colonizations we do. So okay. I don't think we should point any fingers until you 
self point. Mark. I'm not sure it's talking about what France and America did. I, I think it's talking about what French people and American people think and say. Mm-hmm. So, like, when in the meeting, when Delroy Lindo right. and Jan Renault are going off at each other, they're both fucking uneducated idiots just talking about yeah. like, very stupid things. They don't fucking know. Uh, I think ultimately, I think the reason that Otis gets the treadmill at the end, right? And it, it does seem too happy that he gets the treadmill. It seems too. Too lucky that he's the one that lives and gets to be with his daughter. It's because Except for the fact that we love Otis yeah. and we, we do, never want anything bad to happen to him. We do, do love Otis. Is that uh, he understands that like it is Otis. it is terrible. <laughs> God, <he's> gonna, <laughs> if he fucking beats first. me, I swear to God. That's a, I don't think a character has ever scored before. <laughs> it's just that it was awful and I hated it and now is awful and I hate it. But I'm going to find some balance to be happy. I'm going to uh, reconnect with my daughter. I'm going to help my friend Paul. Uh, I'm going to recommend some therapy and, you know, like we were always taken advantage of. We were going to continue to be taken advantage of. But if we can find some sort of happiness in this life and fight as much as we can against the, you know, like the the current norms, then I think we can do that as opposed to not uh, norm. Not the past norm. We love norm. Oh, well, current norms. Yeah. Yeah. Not the current storm norm. The the past ones. Uh, Then we can do something as opposed to letting the past or fear of the future completely destroy our brains. And there's something very interesting in Otis being that one is that he respects Tian and did back then. Like there's real affection. Like, and he, I think he speaks throughout the movie. He speaks more Vietnamese than the rest of the GIs do. Mm -hmm. And I think fully he got that part of what Norman was saying where the other guys are like, we all believed it, but I think he got his like, we're all people stuck in the shit we're stuck in, but let's respect people. We're all people, yeah, I think is the ultimate thing. But <laughs> Otis still falls into it because somebody insults Tien and he's like, what the fuck did you say? I'll kill you. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm still going to commit violence every once in a while. But uh, for the most part, I'm trying to find this balance. You know what that means. We have entered the dreaded speed round. Um, ultimately, how do we feel about old man Lindo along with his friends playing their younger men? Their younger male counterparts, their young men versions. I I love what that says about memory and the stories we tell ourselves Absolutely. and how you lionize the past. Mark, don't don't spend the Irishman money. You know, like yeah, it was always so much more distracting to see like a sixty five year old Lindo hold a forty year old Chadwick Boseman as a sixty five year old Melvin was in the background. I was uh-huh. I was fine. I was never also Spike. It might be a Spike Lee thing because Spike Lee, you never know what you're gonna get. You know, like it's always uh-huh. crazy. But stop, stop making these. There's in the photo where all five of them are standing there and they all de-age except for Chadwick Boseman. That's yeah. so much worse than any. It looks so bad. Yeah. It looks so bad with some of them. With Melvin, it looks like it, they just they like it looks like when that woman accidentally erased the painting and then tried to paint <laughs> like, just a face back on it. That's what they had on his face. If you don't have the money to do it, just don't do it. And the way that they approached most of it worked so well anyway, because it just, as Mike said, it, it rang true. Um, I know that like we are, are here to critique the five bloods, but like we want to, we want to be in this group, right? Like we, we wish that we were part of this, this, this friend. I group. wish I had friends. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, <laughs> I, I think we're the sixth, seventh and eighth bloods. Yeah, they, in they our own way. You know what, Ryan? Yeah, I think so. Uh, one thing I think the movie is really successful at is, like, again, so many tones, uh, and that's exactly what he's going for. But 
the part of it where it's a hangout movie with them, the way uh, one of them will start singing a song and then they'll all mm-hmm. pick it up oh, without even like skill. or the way they start a chant and they all just pick it up and they start going into it like um, the way they do that like fist in thing and then Paul like makes sure that uh, he's like David get your hand in and then he says it to Vin yeah. and I just was like that gave me literal chills that I'm getting again now just talking about because like they made Vin one of the one of the bloods and then they let in really it feels like they let in the 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 french lady too and like i love that spike lee does that a lot of in a lot of his movies i don't know if he's just doing it like for for tokenism but in a lot of his movies it is like a coalition of a bunch of different types of people in the end like the finger gets pointed at a bunch of different people but also the good guys are usually comprised of a group that is like multi you know ethnic well a lot of it too is that uh we'll let you in when we trust you as opposed to you forcing your way in because that's yeah we're clearly not going to trust you if you do that yeah, people people don't like it when you force your way in places. I've learned that, and you know what? I am working on it. <laughs> I hear you guys. Um, how much did your back hurt watching them carry these gold bars? So much. And we are a third of their age, and I... I honestly, I felt basically like I was as old as these guys. Watching them move around and everything, I was like, am I... Like, they're in the same shape I am. <laughs> this is why shopping spree, our shopping spree segment was kind of bullshit, because Mike would maybe co-carry one gold bar and then me, me and greg would have to do the rest <laughs> man come on you gotta make david carry all those gold yeah. bars like that is not That's those are not glamour muscles guy. and also like jonathan fair share jonathan majors like those are not show muscles yeah look at his yeah. shoulders <laughs> look at Look at like how he's like. Uh, uh, you can see like the ligature on his shoulders. That dude has like real, yeah. real. Do you remember Love, dude strength? Lovecraft Country, where every episode I was do. like, "What's up? Shirt off? Okay, yes. here, here we go." Well, yeah, I want to know what's, what's David's background. What did he do at Morehouse to make him so ripped and handsome? Do you guys? <laughs> do you, would you guys go to Vegas right now and put money on him being in the Pop Filter Hall of Fame? He's about to be King the Conqueror. Yeah, we've loved he's everything that he's away. done before this, yeah. but. The last maybe a uh, couple ha- projects. Yeah, I, I I think he's in. The last the last Black Man in San Francisco is like maybe the the best movie of 2019. I don't even know if we did a show about we it, but not. like we did not. Fucking a, we 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 kind of blew that one, guys. It wasn't very popular, uh, and that was probably why we ended up not doing it. But that movie is so beautiful, and it it definitely made him on a a future. I think he's a couple projects away, but Kang the Conqueror. That, that's how you do it. If you want in the PF Oops. Hall of Fame, which is why he chose that role. Uh, you gotta conquer it. <laughs> oh, what's, what's that I hear? It sounds like the inviting sounds of award season. Ah, the delicious smells of award season wafting up the nostrils. Do you guys love yes, getting an old award and just... Smell it. Oh, oh that old smell. award smell. You can smell every hand that's ever touched it. You smell that award polish. Warren Beatty's sweat is still hanging on it. We are going to give awards to this movie. Uh, believe it or not, the 2020 Oscars have not rewarded this movie with any nominations or any awards. Absurd. Boo. Oh, man. Uh, but Green Book still remains a Best Picture winner. Wait, Where hold on. is the do justice? We, do we think that this movie will get any oscar even nominations no i don't think it will i think that's an outrage i think that's an outrage but do they not like him they they fucking hate well they hate they hate they fucking hate netflix they hate this model where you release a movie on the and it doesn't matter to us because we're the consumer but they want to act like it matters so for our shows we're just like 
if you make good movies, we watch them. We don't care where. But they act like it's like fucking so stinky if you put your movie on a streaming service, even if it's Roma 2018's fucking movie of the year. We should have a fourth person on the show who just does that with Netflix. Just like, no, I hate it. I hate it all. I hate it. We should have someone on the show who doesn't like the show because we talk a lot about, like, on the show, we talk a lot about how we like it. We should have someone that's like, nah, I just don't care for this. Do you know what you do is bullshit? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't like that we do this. We're not good at picking movies. We don't say. <laughs> we, don't, we don't really pick the best movies of the year. All right. Well, let's pick the best awards of the movie. And let's start with pound for pound performance. This could be someone who just barely pops up right the, the kid who kept saying american gi maybe it's him did you believe him more than than you believed paul even though paul had so much screen time pound for pound that's what we're talking about right now mike who gives you the best p for your p i did believe when he laughed as they all dove when oh, he fuck. firecrackers i think he was legit laughing at them movie prank of the year yeah yeah it's as always the, hilarious to take a soldier with known PTSD and throw loud things at them. As the, as the son of a Vietnam vet who served two tours, let me tell you, that would work. If it's you really want to freak out a Vietnam vet, time. just throw fireworks but, right at him. I do have to say, though, like with Spike Lee, who likes to switch tones up, that was totally shot as a comedy. Like, isn't yes. it funny yeah. that they all dove to the ground and then there's like a star wipe and now we just move <laughs> on with the movie? <laughs> Pranks. I, I think... My my pound for pound performance. I think there's one pretty obvious one, and I'm gonna not do that because it it often goes unsubtle. But I think just referenced earlier, uh, everything Jonathan Majors does is perfect. Yeah, and he really nails subtlety and and big and never gets too big or too distracting. And he's like a perfect like sketch team player. Like he's so good, he folds into what where everybody else is. And has uh, there ever been someone better at wearing a t-shirt? Literally never in the history of the Did history. this guy go to college for putting on a t-shirt? Yeah. Like, he damn. He got his degree in Morehouse t-shirts. Seriously. Even the dirtier and raggedier guy, I'm like, oh, man. I'm not trying to over-sexualize him, but I do have to say, that guy has the best body of all time. Like, not in a sexual way, but, like, his shoulders and arms are, like, unparalleled. Goodness he can, as the kids gracious. say, get it. Uh, but he's also a phenomenal actor. And yes, just so so much emotion going in without volume having to get big. His talents, Ryan. Uh, Mike, I admire you going for uh, somebody who is not the lead. I wish that I could do it someday for this award nomination. But you're uh, basic. But I I, I am basic. Uh, Spike Lee and Delroy Lindo all turn their lights directly towards this one person, and I think it is a career making performance. I think it is the performance of the year. I think that it might be. Uh, apologies to Denzel, the best performance in a Spike Lee movie of all time. Uh, the first time I thought that it was... A, the first time I watched the movie, I thought it was a little uh, FYC. Big. Hammy. And then this time, like I cannot believe what he is doing at all times. He's always uncomfortable. Uh, he had stories from the set that were similar to... Uh, uh, shit, who's the, uh, the racist coach from 51? Who was screaming at Chavez? Oh Bozeman. gosh, yeah. Oh, Alan Tudyk. Alan, yeah. Pop filter Hall of Famer Alan Tudyk. Him, uh, Delroy Lindo had stories from the set of wearing that hat and being Paul. Like made him go through that same shit. Um, but and meanwhile, he's just some English cat who's minding his own business. Yeah, I. Uh, like, it's not even American. <laughs> I think this is an all timer. I, I have to go with Delroy Lindo. 
Yeah, uh, it's got to be him. I mean, this is such a such an amazing performance. I I guess I remembered that he was English, but kind of forgot and then rediscovered it. And that was because the performance like erased anything he had done before this. When you go to his IMDb page, he's wearing a scarf. Could you imagine what? Paul wearing a scarf? Paul would never wear. Paul would never wear a scarf, no matter how cold his neck was, no matter what? how cold. But Ryan, is he English? Uh, are you thinking of Idris Elba? They're no, very not, different. Isn't that guy English? I don't think so. Delroy Lindo. I'm Let's all stop talking. Hand. Look at our computers. Uh, He's born yeah, I mean, in Eltham, right? London. Good. <laughs> Elton, London, England. He's born in London, England. Suck it, Ryan. I will suck it. You could look right at it. You could look right at it. Maybe he didn't grow, but because like. I thought he was English. Well, and he is English, but I mean, did he not yeah. grow up in England? In the mid-90s, uh, get shorty, clockers, a spikely... Mo- like, I thought that this guy was going to take over the world. And I, f- uh, I feel like when you see just a picture of his face, you can tell that he's English. <laughs> like, th- he looks so different. Like, his, his headshots, I know th- that happens sometimes, but he, like, does not have any of that Paul energy. No. Which- but he became Paul when we needed him. Um, man, what a crazy performance. I feel like he did maybe start a little bit too big and didn't leave himself places to go, but the and where he does end up going is screaming at the top of his lungs as he goes into the forest. I think that's like that's one of the key points is that like he says, uh, we're not bloods anymore, I'm gonna go on my own, and then he can't just do it. He walks away scream like all of his emotions are being vomited out of his body. I loved it, and that's why it was the pound for pound performance. All right, we'll have a director moment. Feed me that delicious director moment, Ryan. I uh, I mean if if you listen to the uh, shopping spree, uh-huh. uh huh. I think we already know where I'm going here. It's that goddamn Spike Lee dolly shot. It's what did you do? Conquer the movie. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess this is his seventh or eighth time doing this, uh-huh. and it is not cheesy anymore. It's not like nope. it does not take you out of it. It's like fuck yes, we made it. I wanted to know which characters were gonna be in the dolly shot. Yep. In yep. Black in Black Klansman, we got um. Denzel Washington's son and his girlfriend, and they got to move towards like just the uh-huh. future. And I, uh, I think Denzel was on the Malcolm X one. This like this shot is what we need, and I love how, like how it's just like this is this is not how movies end. Spike, please don't do this. He's like, no, fuck <laughs> you. I'm gonna do this because my characters fucking earn this. I'm actually in the process of deciding what movies do and don't do. (laughs) I'm actually authoring that book right now. Mike, what do you say it is? I mean, it's hard to argue with that one. Uh, A similar one that I guess here, I will argue this way. He's done it even longer than he's done that dolly shot is to have a character turn and just deliver their emotional lines right at the camera. Like Paul does through the jungle. Mm -hmm. So he's walking and talking, looking at it and he's done this one longer. So it's even more signature moment than the dolly shot. I, Mike, I applaud your bravery because that's always a tough position to be in. You don't want to just be like, I also agree with what that guy said, but I probably tipped my hand a little bit earlier. I'm just like, I get so excited for this shot now. It, it, Ryan, it's exactly like you described it. Like, you're just waiting to see who's going to like win the award of gets that shot. <laughs> and then when it happens, you always agree and you're like, yes, you did choose the right people for that shot. Uh, Ryan, it's, a, it's always a great moment. Uh, how about cringy? Are we cringy on this one, Mike? I think there's so much, so much of Paul's character is designed to make you cringe. Yeah, so right, it's so. not just like he's wearing a Punisher shirt. That's obvious. <laughs> uh, but but part that felt like even grosser than Paul had showed us is when after Hetty 
gets David to untire and go to the bathroom, he like he's like, "Oh, you are really pretty." He he gets like gross sexually, and we haven't really seen that from him there. And that yeah. made me like now he is movie villain. I've kidnapped you, so I want you to know that I also own your bodily autonomy, and it skeeved me out. Pretty good one, Ryan. Can you counter that? Uh, we uh, we've uh, dabbled in talking about how Spike Lee doesn't give a fuck if he subtly references a movie or if he's straight up like this is apocalypse now right now <laughs> but the one that skewed me out the most is having isaiah whitlock jr be able to say the word shit for as long as he possibly could <laughs> because he got famous on the wire I, like that's whose idea was that like for him just to be like she in like his typical way that uh, I know that he doesn't ever want you to be comfortable and like you're always supposed to be super engaged in the in the movie making that he's doing but also keep thinking about other things that he's saying. That's the wrong part uh, or type of like taking you out of the movie. That long I told- ass shit. I I <laughs> that did couldn't take me out of the movie when I had to take a long ass shit. <laughs> uh, Mark, I could not disagree more. Mark, and I'm going to give it to Mike. Yeah, the movie sort of loses its way around that point where they capture them and it's like you're my prisoner and then also I'm flirting with you and also I'm going to stand right here while you pee and like she she gets weird there. I feel like the movie kind of gets a little creaky in that moment and dare I say it, listeners, a little cringy. All right. How, speaking of cringe, what is the most Americanist moment, Ryan? <laughs> okay. So I have uh, basically grown up with Americans my entire life. and Apologies. Yeah. It, it, it has not been fun. Um, but I think that the worst part is being at a bar with some dude who sees <laughs> others than him, like people who are other than him, and wants to other them as hard as again. Like two old men on the other side of the bar want to buy you a drink, and all you see it as is why are they staring at me? Why are they smiling? I think they want to fight me. Paul's reaction to the two older Vietnamese gentlemen in the bar is just. That is how Americans work. And I'm sorry, but to other people, but that's what it is. Yeah. The, this may be complicated a little bit by the fact that they were like in the VC, you know, so they were like actually people that they would have been shooting at and being shot at by. But I still, I do take, I do, like he's obviously being awful in that scenario. But, but I do think that, they want to fight him. Like the fight continues. All you yeah, can think is that they we, just wanna, we continue to fight. Yeah. And I mean, like also the VC was like, they were just like simple villagers like that scene where they're walking along talking about like if the girls are going to be impressed by the fact they're soldiers or not. Mm-hmm. It, 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 I mean, there's not, these were not like, yeah, these are people and just defending their homes. Paul says those could have been the two people who shot Starman Norman, which yeah. again, is like, there's so much racism there, but then uh, the guys around the table are still like, who cares, man? Like, right. We have to move on at some point. And see, that's one of those moments where you realize he acts like that because he says that, and then you look at his face, it cuts to him, and when you know what the story, you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, this guy knows he did it, and so he like it's coming out in this moment. Mike, what do you say for most American moment? To me, there's nothing more American than, than apple pie. 80 years ago, you oh, helped yes. France oh, in World yes. War II. Oh, fuck Oh, yes. my. I'm so fucking Mark, sick of hearing old people who yes. weren't even in the war, but still love to bring that up. Like, let's talk about all the things France has done since and how we fight. It's, it's absurd. We got to. If, that, if that's how far you have to go back to yeah. one up somebody, you've lost. 
Yeah, just um, I I can't hear another American person ever say this. Yeah, you get the point. Because fuck, dude, just don't like, just don't bring it up. What you weren't there, you didn't do anything to help. Like, I, I mean, at least like he was in the army. At least Vietnam's obviously a quagmire, but yes. Okay, now I'm angry. Um, <laughs> movie reference there. I spotted. I thought a couple of different movie references i don't know if you guys saw some of the ones that i did too uh what are some of the favorites ryan what are you what is we're one favorite what do you think should win <laughs> okay don't so give a- me multiple ones i'll kill after, you after mike says his i would like to go off and give all the ones all multiple <laughs> ones um but i had I, I i do think there is one movie that this movie is taking after the most and i think that there's there's a couple of uh hangover Evidence is here. <laughs> two, the one in Bangkok. Right, it's Hangover Two. Like, yeah. let's let's be clear. Let's be movie fans. Um, but when they find the gold, uh, they start dancing in a very specific way. They start okay. dancing like these uh, very specific gold miners, and what they're doing is the uh, Walter Houston, John Houston's father's dance from the Prospector Dance. Yes, the Prospector yeah. Dance from the Treasure of Sierra Madre. Hell yeah, dude! This movie is basically a vietnam black soldier remake of treasure of sierra madre and it's all about how like nah we'll go get the gold and we'll be best friends forever and oh my god we're not best friends that's all sierra madre but the dance there's not there's a different part of the movie that might sell this reference more but uh that dance is was my favorite part for sure the sierra the sierra madre thing is like the seed of the movie really it's like vietnam vets do sierra madre that's how it was originally conceived of as with white soldiers and then the idea was given to spike lee because uh he likes this he liked the sierra madre movie and then he you know he made the the characters black and that added a a dimension to it but i think that's interesting like this movie is not just like kind of like that this movie exists as like a response to that uh about white soldiers written by the writers of the rocketeer they thought that this could be their new franchise Rocketeer did not worry ryan rocketeer shout outs always (laughs) Uh, How Mike, is what do you say? Not in the Hall of Fame. What's the biggest roof? Uh, yeah, I didn't roof. take it as favorite. I took it as like most unignorable. And uh-huh. apparently, I should watch this movie, The Treasure of Sierra Madre. Uh, so those ones went over my head. Uh, it is impossible to have a helicopter in front of a dying orange sun and not think of Apocalypse Now. Uh, to the point, like it's every other Vietnam movie. We'll do there it. King Kong is literally it. a club <laughs> called Apocalypse Now, whose logo yeah. is the logo for the yeah. movie Apocalypse Now. And then they did, the, in case you didn't get it, here's the helicopter in front of it. Uh, and then, and the, then it lets you know that Paul will not arc towards goodness. Yeah. He's going to Apocalypse Now out. And then they play Flight of the Valkyries as they go on the boat up the river into yeah. the jungle. Yeah, they wanted to make sure that you didn't miss that. Mark, I'm going to go with that one because um, the Sierra Madre, that's like... They kind of like that one's like below the surface. The Apocalypse Now one is the one that he's like, I know you're going to think about this movie and I'm not going to act like that's not the case. So Apocalypse Now, Apocalypse <laughs> Now. <laughs> Which again, I, I feel like there's so many filmmakers who can make so many, so many movies that would do this and I would fucking hate. But for some reason, I'm he's like, just, yeah, dude, <laughs> because do he, it. you know, you know what I think it is, Ryan? It's because he does it from a place of like, I fucking love movies and even though they're not perfect and they're the products of like a deeply flawed culture, it's fun and I'm going to have fun with it and it's going to be cool and I'm going to make movies say all the different things they can say. The other There's thing like too, a, a yeah. joy to it. I think that and, uh, uh, 
adding to that, Greg, is that like I'm not going to outdo Apocalypse Now. I'm going to say, what if Apocalypse Now came out in a time where black people had voices as well? You yeah. know, like Ryan. And and there's no part of it where you can see him looking over his glasses and go, "You get it." Like, there's no look how smart I am for putting this in. in le- unless he's doing it because he wants to like, and the, have, yeah. he, unless he wants to be like, do you get it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you're but like, you have that trust for. At a certain point, you have that trust that like, uh, I, I like how you're asking me if I get it. The other one is badges. We don't that's, need no stinking badges. That's the one I thought you were gonna say for sure. I think that's the that's the real winning one. Is we don't we don't need no stinking badges. Hell yeah, dude. When he says that, like you get rowdy. You just like you get fired <laughs> up. Like and that's again, for the boys. It's the it's the kind of thing where you wonder about the tone of it a little bit. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Don't tone police. Am I right? <laughs> when we come back, we will talk about how we think this movie's gonna do in our bracket. Should it make it? And we're going to see which one of these two fine gentlemen goes from co-best friend to sole and exclusive possessor of the best friend. Wow. You are so white. Gentlemen, we have come to the end of our journey here. The boat has docked at the side of the river and we are deep within the jungle of our podcast. And I am here to tell you what is the score of the madness and the score of the madness is mike you scored 34 points feels all right in in your recollection is it good to have your name read first and your score read first or is it better to have it normally better to be second i believe that's true and that will hold true for this because ryan you scored what i think might be a record 41 points That's very close. And then in third place, uh, I got three points. And then in fourth place among the, 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 the competitors, but currently with the highest score of any character of all time, Otis came away with one point, everybody. <laughs> He's the real winner. Otis scored, <laughs> Otis scored one and point. And I thought for sure uh, Melvin would score the most points out of the four You'd of think yeah. Melvin would get a point. I know. But I identify with Melvin, but I respect Otis. I think that's <laughs> like you have to understand Greg to really understand. I see myself as Melvin, but I don't think he's the coolest. I would never see myself as the coolest. Clearly, Otis is the coolest. So who is the, who is the Otis of this movie? Or rather, is this movie the Otis of 2020 movies? Do you think it has what it takes? Should it make it to the bracket? Could it compete? Could it be movie of the it's year? It's so crazy right now. And I, I, I do believe that there's only one filmmaker that this could happen with, that uh, we just spent two hours on this movie. And I do not know if you guys like it or hate it or love it. Uh, it, it there's, it's so messy and amazing and terrible all at the same time. I, I, I really hope that it makes the top eight. I don't know if it has what it takes to make, you know, to be the, the 2020 movie of the year, but I definitely think it belongs in the top eight. Mike, is this a bracket yeah, movie? Yeah, I think? think at this point, if if Spike comes out with a movie, we gotta do it. Like, it, yeah, right? it's always, even if it's not gonna be the best movie of the year, it's gonna be one of the most interesting movies we have to talk about because his, to talk about why he fucked up, like what what didn't work, and then because of how we feel about him and how he makes movies, it's like, but was that on purpose? <laughs> and then you just spiral well, that, out a little about it. That's a, my favorite thing about Spike Lee is I leave one of his movies and I'm like, no, not this time. <laughs> This not this time, Lee. You didn't do it. Mm, no. And then I'm um, like, like two days later, I'm like, oh yeah. no, wait, you're right. No, you're right. You did it good. <laughs> good job, man. <laughs> Greg famously, as a six year old, walked out of do the right thing. He was like, nah, no good. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like. It. 
I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I didn't feel it. And then later, I was like, I was thinking about Danny Aiello, and I was like, Yeah, okay, wait, hang on. <laughs> that's a lot of good points. That, made. A lot of good not points to made. elevate podcasts, but like, I do believe that like this is this is what he wants, right? Like, watch it, go through it, and then hash it out. Mm-hmm. Like, this is his goal. Oh is yeah, to, like we he, have to go through all of this. You watch some movies, and the your 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 total emotional experience is within the beginning and end of the movie. A Spike Lee movie, your emotional experience has barely started by the time you leave the theater. You are going to spend so much time in his headspace trying to figure out why he did the things he did, and he's just—I mean—he still just has it. Like he just—he knows exactly how to press your buttons and get you a little agitated, and then using that agitation to get you to think about his movie long enough to convince you that he's a genius. I fucking love it. Like every. <laughs> He does a thing, and I'm like, "Oh, did he make a mistake? That that, yeah. that, that was Oops. bad. That was a or, whoopsie, right? Did he want me to think that he was making a mistake, but he didn't? Is it slate of hand? <laughs> is it slate of hand? Is it is it slate <laughs> of hand? Well, gentlemen, that is our show about the five bloods. I hope we have a chance to talk about it again in the bracket, but I'm not sure. But that's all the time we have today, tonight for this show, because I actually have to go. And I'm putting together a website, guys. So I don't have time to actually do this show anymore. Sorry, I've got to be the fuck, man? doing my website, and I don't even understand anything about it. But I think I'm going to do a pretty good job. No, so Craig, I'm just going to do my just, best. This isn't something like unimportant, like helicopter mechanic raising a or child. Raising a child this where is you your just website, <laughs> dude. Like that, you should really, you should really get with the right people. Like at least get like tools and training. To build the proper website, if you if you have to DIY, I do have to DIY, Mike. And where could I get the proper tools and well, training? I, I mean, technically, the definition of DIY is you don't look for other things; you just do it yourself. No, but, Mike, but it's not Mike, like ahead. I'm going to build this cupboard. I've hey, never Ryan, done I think it. actually, technically, the definition is fuck off. So, Mike, tell me how I can do it myself. Yeah, Please do, do it, it for me. Yourself with, uh, especially if you're building under WordPress. Uh, what if I do it myself, but you watch me? I do think it? that yeah, and just. Or and you're also doing it yourself. Oh, oh that's called mutual doing it yourself, and that's—I mean—that <laughs> is a way to build intimacy. Uh, but I think you should go to cybersprout.net because there they have easy to edit fields, custom templates, drag and drop yes. tools. Yes, uh, they give Boom. you all the power you need to keep your site current and sexy. And if you fuck up doing it yourself, they are always available to help you clean up that mess. I'm sorry, Mike. I know you? we're doing commercials right now, and this is not my job, but not if, when, when, when you when fuck yeah, up. You're specifically going to fuck, up, fuck yourself. up I do think it's true. Like You can't underestimate how helpful it is to be able to have people that you can call and be like, I broke it. I don't know how, but I broke it so good, and they're good, and, and they're they will pretty nice walk about you through it. it. <laughs> they are pretty nice about it. They don't get all up in your grill about they how you do broke the move. everything. <laughs> they, they, they just like kind. So please... Please do check that them is out. C Y B E May will... I? Because it, it's a weird noise. It's a weird word. May I? It is a C-Y-B-E-R-S-P-R-O-U-T weird word. C Y B E R S P R O U T dot net. That's cybersprout dot net. I cannot think of an Cyber other Sprout? way to spell cybersprout. I do not think it's weird. I, I, I think it it's out. just those letters, right? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm being kind and spelling out the name of our sponsor. You fucking louse. So- <laughs> Cyber Sprout asked that we spend more time screaming at each other during their reads, which is why we did that. But that's all the time we have to talk about Cyber Sprout. It's all the time we have to talk about the five bloods. We will be back with a fresh episode next week. But hey, listeners, until then, do me a favor, would you? Keep watching. Thanks.
sorry, I forgot 